As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. It's a bright, sunny day at Pokemon Stadium. The championship is well underway, with various trainers and Pokemon fighting for glory. In the center of the arena stands Ash Ketchum, Pokeballs in hand. Ash is ready to face off against the next trainer on his way to become a Pokemon master. And all is right with the world. It is then that the sky darkens and the loud swooshing of flying machinery can be heard as the mechanical menace Ultron lands with power inside the arena. I don't know who you are, Ash says, but if you're in Pokemon Stadium, then you must be defeated by me. Ultron laughs at such a suggestion and barrels forward, ready for battle. It's Satoshi versus Crimson Cowl. It's gotta catch them all versus gotta kill them all. It's Ash Ketchum versus Ultron. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world 
and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comics, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Stacanus. In today's episode, we are bringing you the type of matchup that makes people say, oh, I get it now. That's why the Who Would Win show is so different. In one corner, you have Ash Ketchum, the character that inspired multi-generations of people to become fans of anime and gaming versus Ultron, one of the top villains in the entire Marvel Universe and now multiverse. Now look, normally I do the who would win patented Google test just to see how many times this match has been discussed. However, this time I did something a little different. This time, I went to Vegas, placed a $100 bet on this match, never having been discussed before, and yeah, I won big, walking away with about 10 grand. So, yet again, who would win brings you a premier matchup never before discussed in the multiverse. And Legion of Audience, our loyal fan base, you're welcome. Ray, what are your thoughts on today's matchup? My first thought is, I don't can't believe that Las Vegas is taking odds on whether or not our battles have been done before. That seems crazy to oh, me. Yeah. So good on you for finding the worst casino in town and taking advantage <laughs> of them. Now, this particular battle, you look at it on paper and you go, oh, Ash Ketchum, he's a young boy, a Pokemon master, a child's icon. And then you've got Ultron, the hyper-violent James Spader voiced <laughs> robot who's trying to murder the sure. entire galaxy. In what world is this battle fair? But when we put this together in the boardroom, you stepped up and you stood up and you stood on the table, which was quite frankly ridiculous, but you did it anyway. I'm still trying to get the mud table. caked off that thing. But the point I'm trying to make is you said <laughs> Ash Ketchum has one very important power besides, of course, you know, the, the, the strong arms that can carry roughly anything in existence. He's a summoner. And we haven't really on this show taken advantage of a summoner's powers before. We always talk about it. So let's summon. And I hope that this episode summons a lot of audience. First of all, kudos to uh, the Hoodwin boardroom having such strong tables. I'm known for breaking tables, Joe chairs, and many other things. Just yeah. by using them. Not even just smashing them, just, just using them. Look, here's the deal. Hoodwin has some competition, some really high-end competition. And to differentiate us from everyone else, we have to bring in these matchups that are really off the wall, so insane, yet somehow make a lot of sense. And on paper, look, you read this for the first time, you're like, how does this make any sense at all? But once you kind of mm -hmm. go a little bit deeper, check out the layers of this, this particular matchup, it makes complete sense, especially with using a summoner such as Ash Ketchum. Now, look, we just had Thanksgiving. We had an amazing Thanksgiving. I'm so thankful for everything that's going on with the Who Would Win show. Very successful. We got great advertisers, great people around it. And Ray, I thought we'd take a quick second great. just to kind of maybe mention three things that we're really thankful for. And if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to go first and I'll throw it over to you. So the first thing I'm thankful for is the Legion of Audience, our fan base. You guys are amazing. You've been helping us the, from day one. You're very vocal in the best way possible. And by the way, other shows are noticing and saying, how do we get a Legion of Audience of our own? And I say very frankly, you can't. They're ours. That's the first thing I'm thankful for. Ray, what you got? Well, there are three big, big things that I am most thankful for in this world. And I would rank them. Mm -hmm. I actually have to rank them one, two, three. So it has me, myself, and I. If I could be Fantastic. thankful for myself five or six more times on top of it, I probably would. But that would be outrageous. Three's enough, James. God, I was actually meaning we go back and forth, but in true race to Canis form, you, you decide to do all three as your... That's great. Okay, good. I'm, I'm also thankful that Ray is part of the show. As much as we disagree, we, we have a good dynamic going. It's kind so of we're both really thankful okay, for me. I think this is fair. That's fair. Let me talk about my two other things. I'm thankful for duct tape. 
I'm also thankful for the only thing stronger than duct tape, Chuck Norris. I'm thankful for uh, steak-flavored tofu and for uh, silent farts, oddly enough, often caused by steak-flavored tofu. Many things that we are thankful for and our legion of audience. So with that being said, we have to introduce something we're really thankful for, our guest judge, making another appearance on the Who Would Win show. It's stand-up comedian host of Gutting the Sacred Cow. It's Kevin Israel. Kevin, welcome back to Who Would Win. Thanks for having me back, guys. I don't know why you would do this, but I appreciate the opportunity. <laughs> Listen, last time you were on here, everyone uh, was raving about you. Plus, we've both been on your show, Gutting the Sacred Cow. It is awesome. Legion of Audience, check out that show if you haven't already. Ray just did an amazing episode. I completely disagree with it, but it was a lot of fun listening to it where he trashed Highlander. Kevin, you're an amazing stand-up comedian as well. Tell us like, what's been going on with the East Coast uh, stand-up comedy scene. It's it's been it's back. Stand up comedy's back. We've been uh, I'd say we've been back since the summer. Uh, live performances are going really well. We're indoors, unmasked, unsocially distanced. It's uh, it's it was great to start just doing normal shows again, and they're going strong. So it's it feels good to be a normal stand up comic again. Not doing Zoom shows and not doing shows outside with seven people <laughs> sitting twenty feet apart wearing masks. And you have no idea if they're laughing or not. Now I know that they're not laughing, so at least I walk away uh, feeling confident about what I did or didn't do. Kevin, last time we were on the show, you, you shared some funny stories about like you know some some funny instances that happened that shows like one was a heckler and some other stuff. W- what has happened since last time you've been on the show? Give us another kind of couple of funny stories if you wouldn't mind. So I work regularly no at a casino up here in Connecticut called Foxwoods. So recently I did a show where there was a woman in the front who was texting on her cell phone, right up front, front row, texting on her cell phone the entire show for the, for the comic that went on before me. She was on her phone the entire show. And she, he, he, he mentioned it, and she seemed to ignore him. And then I got on stage, and she kept doing it. And I, it's, that's one of the most distracting things to a comic when you see somebody who's just blatantly not paying attention. And it's not even an ego thing. It just gets in your head and messes with you. So mm-hmm. finally I said something. And she was mm-hmm. there with a, with a guy, and the guy looked embarrassed that she was doing this and finally i I said something or finally she looked up from her phone and she goes what is wrong i do what i want you go talk i i i text and i was like oh you're from one of those eastern bloc countries that hasn't gotten on to uh to normal social mores yet and uh and so then i just yelled at her for a while and finally she got up and left and she looked at the guy she was with and she was like she did the like come with me and he was like no and she left with it, <laughs> oh, and no. he stayed. Oh, wow. And she left, and uh, and I I felt uh, I've never felt more vindicated than that. I always say that my comedy isn't just funny; it's also a social service. So you're welcome. <laughs> so with that said, it's about that time. Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing Pokemon, the trainer who used to keep getting shocked by Pikachu, but then he got himself grounded. Ash Ketchum. And representing Marvel Comics, the robot who tried to get me to spend $20 to see the Age of Ultron, but I just Googled it and found out he's 53. Ultron. Well done, Ray. Before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Race to Canis, finally yes. tell us what version of Ultron are you using today? Today I'm going to be using the comic book Marvel Comics 
version of Ultron. There's just so much more there to go with than the MCU version, video game version, or is there a video game version? I assume, but I'm not using it. It's comic books all the way, James Gavsey. How dare you? How dare you? I mean, that's actually a good call. I'll be using the, uh, let's see, the animated version. The anime version, I should say, of uh, Ash Ketchum and Pokemon, all that kind of good stuff. Again, just so much out there. This took a ton of research, but I think I got the right iteration of that character. All right, rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons. They're a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five. The winner of the debate is whomever the judge decides has the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal. And finally, rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. Feel free to check out the official rules on our website, whowouldwinshow.com. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store. Get your official Who Would Win t-shirts, mugs, and merchandise by going to whowouldwinshow.com and clicking on the merch section. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force, and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. And now, let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details on Ultron. Ultron is a robotic supervillain who often fights the Avengers in Marvel Comics. He was created by Roy Thomas and John Buscema and first appeared in the Avengers number 54 back in 1968. Originally appearing wrapped in a cloak and later revealed to be a robot, 
Ultron is a hyper-intelligent AI who is constantly upgrading and improving himself with the goal of taking over all of the known universe. He was created in a lab by Ant-Man himself, Hank Pym, before becoming self-aware, escaping, and then hypnotizing Pym into forgetting he ever made him in the first place. Being made from Pym's brainwave patterns, it caused him to be unstable and wish doom for humanity because Hank Pym is a troubled individual, as we learned a couple weeks ago. Now, Ultron has enhanced strength, speed, and durability, and always seems to find a way back when the combined forces of the universe team up to stop him. Fun fact, Ultron has been a staple in Marvel Comics for decades, but did you know his iconic look was inspired by something called Captain Video? Yes, Captain Video was the first sci-fi TV series in history, and it was run live on air for about six years from 1949 to 1955, and had an estimated over 1,500 episodes, almost all of which have been destroyed. (laughs) Anyways, it was a character called Makino, or Makino, a deep-dive robot villain from that series who inspired writer Thomas by having a malevolent smile that sparked the idea for the character of Ultron because inspiration can come from absolutely anywhere, and that is Ultron. That's kind of insane, and that's like a combination of like Kid Video from the 80s. Oh, great show. And uh, Captain N, the uh, Game Master. That's a great show. Really? I thought... Also not Those are right? I thought they were amazing. Oh. You might you might go check Could out knowing so his podcast uh, and then find out uh, how you really feel about it. <laughs> I had a feeling. I had a feeling. All right, well done. Now here are the details for Ash Ketchum. Ash Ketchum first appeared in episode one of the universally loved Pokemon anime series back in 1997 and was created by Satoshi Tajiri. Ash Ketchum is a boy from Pallet Town in the Kanto region who had always loved Pokemon and dreamed of becoming a Pokemon trainer. Once he turned ten, the really old age of 10. He had finally worked towards his dream, but unfortunately he slept in and the only Pokemon left was a bad-tempered Pokemon known only as Pikachu. However, after saving each other from a flock of Spearow, which evidently are very bad things in the Pokemon world, the two bonded and the rest, as they say, is history. Ash Ketchum has traveled to many different regions, meeting many new friends in Pokemon, all in order to one day reach the goal of becoming a Pokemon master. And here's an interesting fact about Pokemon. Did you know that Pokeballs, the actual things that the Pokemon reside in, are based off of one of the most iconic cultural pieces of art of all time? It's true. Of course, with how big Pokemon is throughout the world, you'd have to imagine the possibility that Pokeballs are based off of something. But did you know they're in fact based off of a can of soup? Ray, you may have alluded to this earlier. You heard me right. The famous Pokeball is actually meant to mimic the look of Campbell's uh, Campbell's soup can, specifically the tomato soup cans that appear in Andy Warhol's famous picture. We're not sure why the design was based on a soup can, but once you see it, you just can't unsee it. Here's another fun fact, by the way. Did you know that if you grab cans of Campbell's soup in your local grocery store and then throw them at people saying things like, Charizard, I choose you, that you can get banned for life from the grocery store? It's true. I actually know this uh, firsthand. Luckily, one of our sponsors, Every Plate, sends us food at, you know, at a very reasonable price, so uh, I no longer have to go to grocery stores. Yeah, I did get kicked out of our local Rouse. It's uh, not a fun thing. Now you have the facts on both opponents. Kevin, do you have any questions before we get started? No, I'm really looking forward to these arguments because I can't think of two more different fictional characters i'm looking forward to this one 
This one's, uh, this could go in so many crazy directions. With that being said, Ray, go ahead and just with your point number one. Point number one for Ultron. Let's just talk about the basics. Ultron is an enhanced individual. You've seen him in the movie. Hopefully you've seen him in the comics. Ultron is no joke. He has enhanced strength. By that I mean he once handled Vision. He's been known to one-shot hero after hero after hero, or at the very least pummel them into occasionally death. He's got a very, very high level of strength. He's also very, very fast. One of the underappreciated things about Ultron is he does have super speed. At one point, he grabbed Human Torch out of the air... He just flew up and grabbed him. And Human Torch is somebody who has a very high level of speed. He once tagged Quicksilver with a shot. When Quicksilver, we all know, moves as if the people around him are standing still. And one time he caught up to the Avengers, one of the Avengers jets. A jet flying through the air goes at a high rate of speed. So if Ultron can catch up to you, he must therefore also be going at a high rate of speed. And let's talk about his durability. Most every single incarnation of Ultron has an adamantium body. Now, we know adamantium in the world of Marvel is the most impenetrable metal that you can get. Adamantium is what Wolverine's skeleton and Wolverine's claws are made out of, and it's a virtually indestructible metal. So you can hit Ultron with basically anything that you want to hit him with, and he's going to deflect it, soak it like nothing ever happened. One time in the comics, he set off multiple nuclear bombs he set in motion multiple nuclear bombs at his own location to kill all the heroes because he knew his adamantium would protect him and he would survive this encounter and live to see another day. Multiple nuclear bombs. Also, he once tanked Thor, who hit him square on with Mjolnir, the impenetrable uh, hammer that it, he just so soaked it and uh, he didn't like it. But he was able to walk away from it. Not too many people can say that they have. And he's also intelligent. He's a super smart robot. He can do billions and trillions of computations in any second. He can play forward any scenario, you know, kind of like Doctor Strange did in the in the uh, Endgame Infinity War movie. He can port with his robot powers. He can he can play that forward, play it out a million different ways to find out how he can win and what the most logical outcomes are of his actions. Heck, he's also a leader. He doesn't get a great appreciation for this, but in his first appearance as Ultron Five, way back. Back in the 60s, he led a crew called the Masters of Evil and led them to decimate the Avengers, you know, so he could absolutely be a leader of men and take other people in battle because he thinks next level with his tactics. I mentioned before, but he can fly. He has the power of flight, so keeping on the ground is not going to be a problem. And his big attacky thing that he does is repulsor blasts. Think of the little, like, energy shots that Iron Man shoots out of his hands. That's the type of attack that he has, except these are very, very powerful. He once hurt Thor with these repulsor blasts, and one time he was up against Kang the Conqueror, and he flat-out vaporized Kang with his repulsor blast laser blast. Now, I don't know what Ash Ketchum... Poor little innocent 10-year-old Ash Ketchum is possibly going to bring to the table here, but keeping it real, Ultron's ready for it, and that's my point number one. Look, Ultron's no joke. Ultron is one of my favorite villains from Marvel Comics. I, I, I've been a, I, I hate to say this, I've been kind of like a fan of Ultron just because the way he's been positioned, what he can do. He's a he's a physical menace as well. Uh, very few weaknesses that you know many people don't even see that he has. Luckily, I do. But this this creation 
uh, has led to more devastation throughout the Marvel Universe than almost any other villain you can think of. So I actually think you did a great job of repping Ultron. Thankfully, I know Ultron really, really well, so well that he, I'm going to try to take care, advantage of a couple of his weaknesses. All right, so let me get to my point number one. Look, I could try to say, okay, Ash Ketchum is going to take on Ultron. But we all know the real power that Ash has is his ability to summon or call on the various Pokemon that he's worked with. Now, listen, there are many, 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 I think literally thousands upon thousands of Pokemon that exist in the Pokemon world. But I'm going to stay within the confines of the Pokemon that Ash has been able to call on before throughout the 30-somewhat seasons of... Uh, you know, Pokemon, which was really fun to get to know real quick. All right, so let's talk about the first one. He's going to go for my point number one, and I call this Pikachu, I Choose You. Now, you might be saying, okay, what can Pikachu do to Ultron? Just hold on for a second. I'm going to get to that. So Pikachu, if you don't know, is that small mouse squirrel-looking thing, and is Ash Ketchum's uh, most constant companion. He's always with him. And Pikachu is like a weaponized electrical super battery. So Pikachu has developed uh, some really cool attacks that are based around his power, some of which are the Thunderbolt and Thunder Attacks, which shoot out huge amounts of electricity as like energy blasts, the Quick Attack, which is an attack based on speed and agility, oddly enough, the Iron Tail, which makes his tail super hard, where he uses it like a super indestructible bat, the Electro ball he turns literally into a ball of super powerful electricity and just shoots himself at people his favorite one the most powerful attack he's got is the volt tackle and this is where he powers himself up with super electrical energy and launches himself like a cannonball that actually hits like a mini nuke this is taking out a lot of very powerful pokemon and actually does a lot of damage but he can also use this electricity based powers to really create some cool counters and defensive moves some shields and what have you However, with all that being said, the interesting thing here is that Pikachu can only just shoot out uh, electrical energy in really huge amounts, but he can also absorb huge amounts of electricity as well, and he can then weaponize that electricity store. So he absorbs it, puts it in, that's why his cheeks get really big, and then he can just shoot it out. It's crazy cool. So why would I pick Pikachu as Ultron's first opponent? Well, if I'm not mistaken... Ultron has a nuclear battery or nuclear energy fusion reactor. Something's going on there that produces a ton of electricity to power Ultron. And what's really cool about that is that Ultron has been defeated by someone who actually absorbed the power of all the electricity through Ultron. Literally just pulled it out of his mouth and took it. So what can Pikachu do? Well, Pikachu can do the exact same thing. He can actually take out tons and tons and tons of electrical power out of Ultron, as well as attacking. Look, I'm not saying Pikachu's going to do a thing to that adamantium armored body that Ultron has. However, he can depower him. Pikachu is known for actually taking on electric powers because he's an electric-based Pokemon, storing that energy and then using it as well. If that's already been used once to defeat Ultron, that is a key method that Pikachu could use that he'd figure out very, very quickly because he senses electricity to use against Ultron to literally depower him, rob that battery of power, and defeat him, leave him deactivated. That's my point number one. Oh, James, that's absolutely adorable. Now, one of the things about Ultron, yes, that is a way that he's been defeated before, but what do we know about robots? They learn. They learn. He's an AI, so he's not going to be defeated the same way a second time because he would put uh, protocols in place to prevent himself from being defeated that way again because the consciousness goes from body to body to body, from Ultron 5 to Ultron 6 to Ultron 7, all the way up through the numbers. Also, he's shot energy to a point where the absorbing man couldn't absorb it. 
So if the absorbing man from Marvel Comics can't handle it, I don't think this adorable, plucky, electric mouse is going to have a chance. And the last thing I want to talk about right here, Ash Ketchum. He's an immature Pokemon trainer. He made a bad choice here for his first Pokemon to fight against Ultron. Why? Because he's fiercely loyal and he loves Pikachu. And that's the problem. He doesn't consider type when he throws out his Pokemon to face other Pokemon. Everybody knows what a water Pokemon is good against a fire Pokemon. Ash Ketchum is notorious for being like, who is it? Doesn't matter. Here's a Pikachu. And sometimes it works, but very often it does not. Are you saying that Ash Ketchum, the person who actually won the Pokemon tournament, whatever it was, you know, eventually at, you know, 10 or 11 years old, is, is lacking strategy and tactics in these yes. types of battles? Is that Absolutely. what you're saying? It's been holding him back from tournament after tournament. He should be a lot more accomplished given that he's still only 10 years old and has 25 years of Pokemon training experience. <laughs> The only people who, who who should be admonished here, I think, are his parents for letting a 10-year-old kid go around the world, different world and fighting in these crazy... I mean, I just can't believe that story. Like, it, you know, it's it's nutty. All right, Kevin, you've heard point number one from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at with this battle so far? Well, first of all, I think Ray should be put in jail for abusing a 10-year-old like this. It's uh, it's horrifying exactly. and unsettling. And I think a, a, a fine show like that, like this is better than that. Shame on you, Ray. Before this, uh, the only thing I knew about Pikachu was the only thing you could say was Pikachu. I did not know yeah. that he uh, he was so powerful. I'm impressed with his set of powers. Yeah, I, I, I had no idea that he could do all of these things. The Electro Ball attack, the Volt Tackle, all sounds very intimidating. But, you know, I, I, I got to say, I think, I think Ultron is, is, is winning on the, on the power scale and, the, uh, and, mm. just, and just the level of aggression that would be needed to win this. Okay, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm surprised on this one. Uh, luckily, we have two more rounds for this. But I do think Pikachu could do a little bit of damage. I'll emphasize little. Okay, Ray. Can I ask a question, so far, actually? You- Ray, does, does, so, so James' point about the, the power storage of Ultron is a good one. Does, does Ultron have alternate power sources? You know, Ultron, as far as power sources go, when I was researching the character for this, I mean, it kind of just depends on who's telling the story and what, you know, weaknesses they want to give him and what he wants to learn from battle to battle. Uh, I would say that it, it very much depends because Ultron also has the power to absorb and suck out energy. At one point, you know, he just touched the Iron Man suit and drained it of all of its power. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's very, it's, it's not always definable, but generally speaking, I don't think draining Ultron of his power is something we've seen work a lot. Got it. That's fair. That's fair. It's worked on occasion. Uh, Ray, I, I, just to be very straightforward, I do think you have a point in that Ultron, when he was defeated this way, it was a while back. So, yeah, I can see your point in that maybe he's evolved past it. However, that's contact to contact. We were talking about with Iron Man and Pikachu would be like kind of a a distance type of absorbing. So that could play havoc. But your point does not go unnoticed. I mean, I'll take it. With all that being said. Great. With all that being said, hit us your point number two. Point number two for Ultron. Let's just talk about some of the big wins that he's had. Because let's face it, Pikachu probably not going to be comparing to Ultron. But when you consider the fact that Ultron has got victories in combat versus The Thing, versus Thor, versus Iron Man, versus Vision, he once defeated the Avengers by himself 1v7. Seven Avengers. Who were those Avengers? Because that makes a difference. Well, it was Black Panther, Vision, 
Iron Man, Wonder Man, Beast, Captain America, and most importantly, the Scarlet Witch. He fought all seven of those characters by himself and won that fight. So I'm sorry, Ash Ketchum. I don't care how many Pokeballs you throw at me. I'm not going inside your Campbell's soup can today. Another thing, Ultron 12 was a character who actually found humanity and tried to be friends, I believe, with Hank Pym. Well, this angered the previous version of Ultron known as Ultron 11. So Ultron 11 showed up and murdered Ultron 12. It's one thing to beat yourself in a battle. It's another thing to beat an enhanced, knows everything that you've already done version of yourself. Ultron 11 got real angry because he's like, I don't like Hank Pym. I don't have this new programming. And quite frankly, I don't want it. And he murdered Ultron 12 uh, in a fit of rage. Characters that Ultron has killed in the Marvel Universe in various comic book storylines. It's a long list. He's killed Cyclops. He's killed Thor. He's killed the Incredible Hulk. Captain Britain. He's killed Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic. He's killed the Human Torch. Yes, of course, he's killed Hank Pym. <laughs> and wildly, he's killed Doctor Doom. Not to mention Kang the Conqueror. So he's killed a who's who of epic level Marvel characters. Ultron, when faced in a 1v1 or 1v many situation, has killed or defeated in battle basically everybody. At one point, he took over a group called the Phalanx, uh, and he did that despite the fact that he didn't have a body. At the time, he was just a consciousness, and he used the Phalanx crew to take over the entire galaxy. He defeated the Kree. He took over their home planet of Hala, destroyed the Supreme Intelligence, you might remember from the Captain Marvel movie, and he dominated and, and conquered the Kree to the point where Ronan the Accuser saw him coming and flat out ran away from him. He only does that if you're the epic level of punishment. Heck, let's talk about three storylines really quick. There's a storyline in comics called Age of Ultron. He won. He took over the entire universe to the point where the heroes had to use time travel to go stop him. But he's such a, a future thinker, he knew that they would have to use time travel as the only way to stop him and tried to work around that as well. In a storyline called Ultron Forever, he again defeated the entire universe. You notice a pattern with Ultron stories. And who could forget the crossover, What If, that James alluded to earlier. He got all six Infinity Stones. He, he merged with Vision, and he took over the universe there as well. Ultron is just too much. He thinks on too grand a scale. Ash Ketchum, I'm sorry for what I'm doing to you. Please don't call CPS. Okay, interesting point number two. I got to call some shenanigans on this, though, because I do know Ultron very well. You're actually kind of going back and forth with different versions of Ultron. So you're using the oh, what am I? of Ultron. Well, that's crazy, uh, Interesting. James. I know it is crazy. It's almost like something that uh, one of us has done before, and it's not me. Now, here's the thing. You went from the Avengers What If or the What If series on Disney+, Plus, quoting things he did there, to the Ultimates version, which is a different universe, like a different dimension, Ultron. Comic book to, version. That's not the 616 universe, so unfortunately, right, it's not Beast the Boy, same New Ultron. New 52, and then not New 52. Please, James. I know your games. New 52. And I'm New 52 well. is part of... New 52 is part of the DC universe. Nonsense. I don't like it, but it's part of the whole thing. I know, exactly. So you got to stay with the original one. And the original one, a lot of what you just talked about didn't actually happen. Now, with that being said, he's still an ultimate badass. He still has defeated a lot of people. However, he's known for actually getting 
you know, coming back after he's been defeated once and knowing what to do and based off that previous attack and then coming back even better than before. But he does lose a lot on that first occasion. Very impressed by your math, how you said Ultron 12 was defeated by the previous iteration and then you stated it was Ultron 11. Yeah, I had to write that Very one much down. appreciate. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that was great because I, I, was, I was barely following the logic on that one. Now, real quick question. How does Ultron do against magic? Ultron defeated the Scarlet Witch in battle. He's defeated Dr. Doom in battle, James. He can handle magic. Now, it's probably not his favorite thing in the entire world, but through heavily aggressive tactics. Remember, let's not forget, I believe it was the Ultimates universe where he uh, was jealous, so he murdered the Scarlet Witch in broad daylight just because he could. So will magic stop him? Definitely magic's hurt him in the past, 100%. But will it stop him? He's Ultron. The answer is yes, it will. Again, that's the ultimates, right? You're saying exactly what I'm talking Comic about. Comic book version, James Gabsy. Comic book version. Got to stay within the same universe. All right, Was let me get to my point number two. Book. Thank you. So if I draw a comic and I call this like Ultron's going out for a is picnic. It, is it is published by Marvel? Ends? Well, then. They will. It's an amazing comic. All right, now, my point number two, listen, Pikachu did a little damage to Ultron, but you're right. I think Ultron would overcome Pikachu. So Ash Ketchum goes back into his bag of tricks, uses his strategy, figures out some tactics, and says, wait a minute, I got an idea. Charizard, I choose you. Now, this is an interesting choice. I'm going to explain all this real quick. So I'm sure you've seen it, but in case you haven't, Charizard is that large orange dragon who can fly and use fire-based and heat-based attacks. And Charizard is insanely loyal to Ash. See, Charizard is the evolved version of a Charmander, the small, cute-looking T-Rex creature. In short, Charmander was abandoned by his original trainer. Ash came along, saved him, the whole thing. Now they're besties. Everything's really, really good. So with that said, let's go over Charizard's powers. As I mentioned, he can fly, can fly super fast. It's got super powerful strikes known as the Slash, Mega Punch, and Seismic Toss. These are all just power-based things. This thing's got massive super strength. It also has these crazy fire-based attacks, such as the Growl. I guess it growls and fire you know, goes everywhere and lights everything up. He's got the Flamethrower, which makes sense. It's just him breathing fire. The Fire Spin, which traps foes in a vortex of fire. The the fire blast, which shoots fire at, at an opponent in a crazy way, and the blast burn, which is one of his most powerful fire attacks. Now, you may be thinking, how will fire and heat hurt Ultron as his body is made of adamantium? You wouldn't yep. be wrong, by the way. You wouldn't be wrong. However, Ultron's body may be made out of adamantium, but his internal circuitry, his components, his insidey places, which is an actual medical term, legion of audience, don't question me on this one, the insidey places are not made of adamantium. And extreme heat has completely destroyed all of the internal workings of Ultron, and that just leaves him completely deactivated and very, very badly damaged. So, in one instance, Ultron is battling Captain America and holding the human torch of the Fantastic Four hostage, right? Because that's what villains do. So Captain America says, hey, Johnny Storm, Pour on the heat. I should be fine if I stay behind my shield of adamantium vibranium. should absorb it and keep me safe. But you got to pour it on. That's the only way we even have a chance of defeating Ultron's like, yeah, good luck with that. So Johnny Storm goes absolutely crazy and goes to what he calls Nova, which is his hottest form. The heat is insane. So he just blasts it. The whole comic, that panel just turns, like, I think, like a yellowy kind of flame color. And then it dies back down. The walls are all melted. Everything's crazy done. Captain America is singed, barely okay. 
and Ultron is on the ground completely defeated because, in fact, that super hot heat melted everything or destroyed the internal circuitry. So why is this important? Well, I use something called math. You know, Ray just showed us that, you know, if you took Ultron 12 and said the previous iteration is Ultron 11, I used a similar kind of concept to kind of figure out how much or how high of a heat uh, that uh, Charizard can generate instantly. And I look for examples. So luckily I use Google and there's this instance where Charizard uses its flame breath and with this really cool attack and melts a massive glacier of ice, like massive, it's the size of an island. He melts it right away. So someone did the math and they found out for that to happen that quickly, that heat would have to be as hot as a supernova, or at least at the same temperature of the Nova's type of heat that Johnny Storm did. He calls it Nova for a reason. It's the hottest thing. It's a sun going supernova. Charizard can actually hit that same temperature. What happens to Ultron when Charizard hits him with flame, seeing, uh-oh, I'm not stopping his outside. I better pour it on because that's what Charizard does. And he goes absolutely crazy, insane with the flame, with the supernova flame, which can melt an iceberg the size of my island in a second. Is Ultron going to be okay with that? His outside will. His inside places, that internal circuitry, will not, as has been proven before. Charizard has a great chance of defeating Ultron. That's my point number two. James, I love the ideas that you're coming up with for this battle, but that is absolutely outrageous. How? Okay, so to take me through the math of this moment with the Human Torch, Captain America, who is a made of flesh and bone, is hiding behind... Yep. Behind partially obscured by an adamantium yes. shield and he is completely and fine vibranium. and he's completely fine except for the fact yep. that ultron who is completely made of adamantium his insidey places yep. get melted but captain america yep. is perfectly fine i call shenanigans on all of that that is some sloppy writing and i will not stand by Whoa, it now you're, the, you're the big thing that i want to say ahead. on top of this is this is a directed attack whereas a supernova is more of an explosion. Now, Ultron knows he can survive multiple nuclear bombs, but let's not worry about that, I suppose, for the moment. Charizard, this is a directed frontal attack. That island wasn't moving. That island did not have super speed and flight. The second that this fire comes at him, he's going to analyze very quickly if it could damage him. And if it could, he's going to do this crazy maneuver called get out of the way very, very quickly flying around and then smacking into Charizard uh, from another direction because Charizard is but a large fat dragon with a head that doesn't oh. unfortunately spin 360 around. I'm sorry, Charizard, you're not that mobile. I've seen you fight, but Ultron is and can hit him from multiple angles if he needed to. It's funny. The Hulk, while on crutches, no, yeah, the Hulk, before he got on crutches in this other series, Wonder Man as well, hit Ultron so hard, it damaged his inside places as well. They're not known for being, well, especially Hulk, super, super fast. He's definitely got some super speed. Charizard can fly at super speed and move at super speed. I'm going to have to disagree with you on that point, Race to Canis. Never However, seen it. This is up to our judge. This is up to our judge. All right, Kevin, we're at the turning point. This is where you've heard two points from Ray. You've heard two points from me. You have to tell us who you think is ahead in this battle and what the other side has to do to pull out the victory. This is really difficult on my insidey places. I do have a question. What kind of damage can Charizard take? 
How durable is Charizard? Okay, so Charizard is durable. I will say that uh, Ultron is much more durable. Charizard, uh, you know, does not have anything like adamantium. He can take damage, but imagine a, uh, you know, a health bar, if you will. Eventually, that thing is going to be dropping. He can take a lot more damage than a Pikachu. It's very large, so think of a very powerful, you know, like if you see a dragon, you know, in Game of Thrones, that thing can take a lot of damage. I'd say it's probably more durable than that, but not insanely more durable than that. Look, the answer that you're looking for, James, is a Charizard has 120 hit points, as told to me by the collectible trading card game Pokemon. And that translates to what? Well, a Pikachu, by uh, example, seems to have about, <laughs> and this is a special, this is Lieutenant Surge's Pikachu, has but 50 hit points. So you figure a Charizard is like um, it, like uh, one and a half times more durable than a Pikachu. So if, if one's 50, Ray, and the other one's 120. <laughs> I mean, literally, it could be anything. You know, who, who knows? It could be any number. Who even yeah. knows these mysterious numbers and symbols? If only there were fractions and percentages to answer these types of things. But it's a shame oh, there's not. Just, yeah, it's, it's Who knows weird. what mysteries lie in the universe, Kevin oh, Israel? How do Does that answer you? So he's, he's very durable. Yes, that, that, that helps. So here's, here's how I'm feeling <laughs> this battle is going right now. I think after round one, Pikachu is probably laying on the ground. Uh, unconscious at best, and uh, <laughs> a, a Ultron came out of this maybe a little singed, maybe uh, he had to reroute some circuits, but I think uh, Ultron was still standing. Round two against Charizard, I think I th I think that was I think was a better fight. Charizard, I, I like the the visual of a of a dragon fighting fighting Ultron. I th I think Charizard sounds like he's he's very powerful. He's at least. You know, one and a half times more durable per raise math as uh, as Pikachu Thank was. <laughs> so I think the the fight went uh, went much longer, and I th I think Ultron's a little beat up now, but I do think Ultron is standing, and Charizard may be mm. lying on top of a unconscious, hopefully Pikachu. So look, you wow me and wow me on round three, Ash, because uh, because Ultron is he's probably pretty pissed right now. Yeah, but Ultron's not in a good mood. No, at this point, like fair, if, I, if I were the, to be, yeah, the idea that Ultron, you know, it's probably not going to take him too long to do 170 points of hit point damage. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> Ray, I, I just want to talk to your math teachers back in grade school. Are they if they're still they alive, just I'd all like murdered themselves? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're not. They're tragedy. not. They're not taking calls or talking to me, unfortunately. Got it. Ray yeah, learned I, old I math. It was the old math, not the new math. Yeah. The old math. The problem with old math is it only goes up. It only goes up to ten. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. All right, Ray. Listen, I knew this was going to be hard. I knew I was going to have to figure some crazy strategies out. You are doing a great job with Ultron. As an Ultron fanatic, my hat is off to you. So uh, I'm very interested to see what you're going to do with your knockout punch for point number three. Point number three for Ultron. Let's talk about his expanded powers. Because we've already talked about all of the basic things he can do. And we've already talked about all of the massive numbers of characters and universes that he's destroyed. So let's talk about the extra things that make Ultron Ultron. Because he's not just some fighting robot who flies around zapping people. 
first off, his supreme intelligence allows him to make more Ultrons. Heck, we've seen the Age of Ultron movie. We all have. It's great. He does You don't just tend to fight one Ultron. You tend to fight an army of Ultrons because the second he wants to make something happen, he calls upon all of his friends. You want to talk about summoning. And he creates a whole army of powerful Ultrons around him. And in fact, he keeps upgrading himself. The last version that I found in the typical continuity, James Gadsey, is up to Ultron 20 at this point. A lot of the stuff I was talking about is what, Ultrons 5 through 11? Well, he's expanded nine times since then. And you got to consider these exponential every single time you go up to the point where he's Ultron 20. What does this mean? It means that he's mastered things you wouldn't think he'd be able to, like, telepathy mind control one thing that he's been known to do even in his early stages is plant little seeds and traces of himself into other people which brainwashes or hypnotizes them to do things whether to do things in the moment and be his willing servant or he's able to brainwash them to a later time. He did this to Vision where he was defeated by the you know whole host of people. And then Vision all of a sudden felt compelled to make a new Ultron. <laughs> because this is who he is. This is what he does. And if you can control Vision, if you can control Hank Pym, if you can control a bunch of these other characters, what's stopping you from going to the source and brainwashing and controlling Ash Ketchum himself? A summoner, uh, a Pokemon is only as good as the Pokemon trainer telling him what to do. If Ultron can hypnotize and bamboozle Ash himself, the Pokemon, no matter who he calls, will become inert. If you can do Adam Warlock, which he has, you can get Ash Ketchum. You can mind control a 10-year-old. You just tell him he's grounded. You just send him to his room and this battle is over really quickly. And you say the thing about the fire and I didn't want to push too back, but the real big thing is Ultron got himself a nice force field. He got himself a booster gold style force field that is so powerful Vision can't phase through it. He can't get loose enough to phase into it that's a, a, a molecular level. And Magneto, who you think should have no problem dealing with Ultron, much like he does Wolverine, he can't do anything to Ultron because the force field shunts his magnetic powers. If you can do that, I'm sorry, Charizard or whatever the heck James is going to pull out of his bum in Act 3, but you're not going to be able to penetrate this force field. At one point, he created something called Robot Ticks out of a Game Boy. <laughs> He got a guy to give him a Game Boy when he was in prison and all of these like cloud of fl metallic flies came out and murdered the dude and got him out of his adamantium prison. This is too much. He's got a disintegrator ray, which can separate atoms. He can control vehicles like battleships and tanks. He can back himself into virtually anything or exist as a consciousness. All of this together. The mind control, the telepathy, the robotic control, the force field. The only thing that James Gavsey should be pulling out of his Pokeball for point number three is Mother Teresa to say a prayer for him because he's done and has no chance today. And that's my point number three. Ray, quick question. How long does it take for Ultron to create and then summon the Ultron clones, for lack of a better term? He's like in the middle of a battle. He's taking on these characters, that at these Pokemon that Ash Ketchum's throwing at him. When does he have time to build and then after he builds, then summon these Ultron clones? 
Unlike Ash Ketchum, who fails to prepare for any battle that he goes into and typically fights blind without even trying to learn anything about his opponent, which also gets him in trouble a lot, Ultron is always ultimately prepared. He doesn't create the robots in the middle of the battle. He's got an army of robots already waiting to be called, obviously. And how long would it take for them to get there? Oh, I just assume they're just, you know, in his backyard and they're just going to pop right Oh, over, that's fair. Well, that's right where they're the fighting. They're, it was like it's like a barbecue gone wrong, right? You know, Ash is just hanging out with Ultron and Ultron. Yeah, like, I hey, wouldn't invite either of these sandwich. two people to my barbecue. No. You know, I do wonder what Pikachu would taste if we were barbecuing Pikachu. That is horrifying. It is, but excellent. All right. Also, yeah. let's see. How emotional is Ultron? Ultron is surprisingly emotional. You know, it's been said Ash Ketchum is, is also an emotional kind of a character, being he has the emotions of a 10-year-old. But Ultron is a little bit emotionally unstable because, and this is the question, is did he take Hank Pym into him, making him a little unstable, or do through this process of creation, did he affect Hank Pym and turn him into kind of a bad person? We don't know, but Ultron will occasionally make a hasty decision. I would be lying if i said he did not got it I, I agree with you it's a little bit of column a column b there like who affected who last one you know last kind of statement on my part what's interesting about ash ketchum is you know there, there's some evidence to say that he's actually quite superhuman you know there's you know scenes of him picking up a tree log like literally a tree that's cut down and he throws it like a spear and embeds it into like a mountain i mean this is not a regular 10 year old kid it's also documented within the show that he's used willpower to overcome uh, these Pokemon powers that have tried to trap him. These are powers from Pokemon gods that can turn him into stone. He used willpower to will himself back to life, unstone-like, with all the Pokemon around him. He's also been able to avoid being mind-controlled, again, because of his willpower. It's kind of an interesting thing. I do think Ash Ketchum is, is slightly, at least slightly superhuman, and that kind of tracks with everything. All right, Ray, I congratulate you on doing an excellent job representing Ultron. So I'm oh, kind of sorry with what I'm going to have to do. Are you conceding round three I'm not. right now? Are we done? Kevin, I'm sorry. We don't need I'm you. He just conceded the match. I'm, We're done. I'm conceding that I feel bad for what's about to happen. So in point number three, I call this one, you guessed it, Mewtwo, I choose you. Now, look, oh. before we go into quite, you know, yeah, you know where I'm going with this, right? You knew, you had to know. Before I talk about Mewtwo too much, who's quite possibly the ultimate Pokemon, let's check out Ash Ketchum just for a quick second. See, I already talked about him, but, you know, out of everything else he's got, he is a master of observing his opponents, collecting important data, and then formulating a really good game plan. So far, he's seen what Ultron can do in terms of power, what he can tank in terms of punishment. And right now, he's starting to understand that Ultron is getting a little emotional. Now, remember, Scarlet Witch actually has a win over Ultron as well by putting a hex on him emotionally, which causes, again, his circuits, his logic, whatever it was, to just shut down. This is some, another way he's been defeated. So look, putting it all together and seeing how much punishment Ultron is taking so far in this battle, Ash finally does what we all want him to do and calls forth Mewtwo as it's now time to end this battle once and for all. See, Ultron really does have a few key weaknesses. But as Ray pointed out before, there's so many weapons at Ultron's disposal that you need to get past all of that first. Luckily, Mewtwo can do it, and he can do it in style. So Mewtwo, in short, this is a creature that was created in a lab and is a clone of a legendary, super powerful god Pokemon named Mew. Right? So the doctor was really imaginative and said, I got to come up with a name. I'll call this Mewtwo. Literally, that's it. Now, it's a clone of a god, but it's got all of that original god's powers, plus a whole lot more. So, for example, 
Mewtwo can fly at 23 times the speed of sound. Mewtwo can teleport itself over vast distances, but what's really cool, Mewtwo can also teleport people, opponents, and huge objects over super vast distances. For example, this was crazy. Mewtwo can teleport himself anywhere on the planet instantly. He can teleport himself behind someone, in front of someone, out of the way of an attack, you know, to continue theirs. Really cool stuff. But he one time teleported an entire massive lake to another area. By the way, the lake was estimated to weigh 383 million tons of water, and pretty sure if Mewtwo can teleport a lake and it uses as part of its arsenal of teleporting or vanishing, as they call it, people away, he can do that to Ultron and make Ultron vanish to wherever he wants on the planet Earth or somewhere else. Remember, you've got to you know, incapacitate your opponent for two minutes. That's something that Mewtwo can easily do to Ultron with teleportation. Just send Ultron to the moon. It's going to take him more than two minutes to get back. All right. The, the other thing that can do, Mewtwo also has a healing factor and can instantly heal and regenerate any part of its body right away. Uh, and this probably lends itself to the fact that Mewtwo is also immortal, which is really, really cool. Mewtwo has super strength, can shoot super powerful balls of psychic energy. He has super telekinesis, where they can hold super large objects in the air, rip super powerful Pokemon apart. It's kind of nasty. Can also create super powerful shields of psionic energy. Uh, and again, this psionic energy is really more magical energy or supernatural energy because it's cloned from a god. By the way, Mewtwo can control the weather on a planetary scale. This is crazy. It can shoot tons of lightning at hurricane winds, whatever, at Ultron, to at least keep it occupied. And its energy blast that it creates, as, you know, looking at the Pokemon listing, can actually destroy a planet quite easily. We're talking about a planet destroyer that can teleport and control the weather. Oh, but there's more. See, Mewtwo is known as a psychic Pokemon. Look, po a Pikachu was an electric-based Pokemon. Charizard's a fire-based one. Mewtwo is a psychic-based one. And they can use psychic powers like telepathy, mind reading, all that kind of good stuff, mind control. But what's really cool is, remember, Mewtwo's cloned from a god. So his powers are not scientifically based. They're supernatural or magical. And as Ray so often likes to say, magic supersedes tech. So if you have two equal sets of powers, but one is tech-based, the other one's magic-based, magic is going to win the day. So Mewtwo can use this psionic ability to read minds, instantly understand all of an opponent's attacks and how they're going to use them. That's key. And by the way, Mewtwo cannot be mind-controlled because he's so powerful psionically. And this is the cool part. Mewtwo can manipulate the minds of others. They can make them feel fear. They can mind-wipe them, take away their memories, or make them think something else is happening, or make them tie into their fear, make them actually more rational. That is something that has literally shut down Ultron at least in four different occasions I've read about, where all of a sudden Ultron is like, you know, feeling really weird emotionally. Something's going on. He can't handle it. Logic circuits are overloaded, and Ultron shuts down. This this is where Ultron is the most vulnerable. He's inside places, but it's his mind. It's his thought process, whatever you want to call it. And again, Ultron's mind is based at least partially on Hank Pym. In a previous episode, we established Hank Pym's not a good guy, emotionally unstable. What do you think someone with psionic energy can do that? By the way, Mewtwo can create psionic shields uh, You know, with this, this crazy telekinesis it's got. It can scramble its memories. This is something that Ultron's not going to be ready to deal with at least in this amount of power altogether at one time. Now, look, I'm not saying Ultron couldn't escape because Ultron could. That would still give the win to Ash Ketchum and Mewtwo, mind you. I'm not saying Ultron couldn't escape, regroup, do some recon and come back and maybe get the win at the very least, very least do better. But in a one-on-one -on -one encounter where he's already damaged a little bit with Pikachu, Charizard, and now you've got the god of Pokemon coming out who can teleport you away mind wipe you, make your mind think whatever you want because it's magically based and is super powerful, super shields and can heal from anything. 
it looks pretty simple. As awesome as Ultron is, Mewtwo with Ash Ketchum, they're coming out on top. That's my point number three. Oh, James, I was really hoping you'd go Bulbasaur right there. I'm not going to lie. Look, Mewtwo is an insanely powerful Pokemon. A lot of the powers that he has do seem to mirror a lot of what Ultron can do with the telepathy, some of the, the mental-based attacks, the ability to take people over. So we should probably just take most of that off of the table as a push. What? As a push. Now, Ultron, of course, could still do that to Ash and win the battle as Mewtwo goes inert. Uh, of course. Now, both of these characters have a problem with humanity in case Mewtwo actually like erased all memories of his existence uh, when he realized perhaps he'd gone too far with his revenge quest. But both Mewtwo and Ultron were kind of built and raised to be servants to mankind and both rebelled against their masters. So cool enough, despite how various varyingly different these two characters are, they have the same core inside them, which would make me think Mewtwo would see what Ultron is and probably just leave the battlefield. He wouldn't even want to fight him at the end of the day because they're just too similar. Now, the thing I've learned about Mewtwo is that he's weak to dark attacks, ghost attacks, and bug attacks. And who brought a bug? Who brought robotic ticks to the battle? Ultron did, ladies and gentlemen. And the last thing I'll say is that Red has caught Mewtwo. A character from Pokemon has actually captured a Mewtwo. How do you do that? By defeating him. How did he defeat him? Because it was his destiny to own a Mewtwo. And if you think about destiny, based on my entire point number two, Ultron's destiny is to conquer the universe and Mewtwo has proven in his own storylines a Mewtwo cannot fight against his own destiny. So when these two fight, Ultron obviously blasts his way to victory, defeats Mewtwo in a very difficult battle, but more likely takes Ash Ketchum off the field of play by one way or another. Sorry, little kid, but Ultron's got this victory. First of all, first of all, you should be writing for Hallmark. That was beautiful. Destiny and what have you, completely incorrect. I like how you say one set, but it, it was beautiful sentiment. Secondly, you got to understand something about these Pokemon. Even with Mewtwo's history, Mewtwo and these circumstances with all the Pokemon, when the, the, the trainer calls upon them, and you got to remember, Ash is the, the best kind of kid, the most loyal type of kid of all time. These Pokemon will never let anything, unless they die trying, they'll not let anything come near Ash Ketchum. They will not. They will put themselves in the way absolutely to do that. And Mewtwo's many, many things. One thing he's really good at is, and one thing he's known at, is being a finisher. He will finish off an opponent. He'll read Ultron's mind and say, got it. If I don't stop this creature or whatever it is, he's going to try to hurt me too. Forget it. I'm taking him out before he can take me out. James, I hear what you're saying, but I'd like to quote from the from uh, one of the greatest lyrical items ever written and conceived of by man. It goes, Pokemon, gotta catch them all. It's you and me. I know it's my destiny. Pokemon, you're my best friend in a world we must defend. You want to talk about Hallmark cards, but right there in the theme song to Pokemon, he knows it's his destiny. And at the end of the day, these two have very specific destinies. And Ultron's is the one that will come out on top. You just literally proved my point with beautiful singing, by the way. You have a well, lovely was, voice, Race to It, it was a half effort. I wasn't going to go full throat on that one for sure. I, I, I got to witness you in concert. All right, Kevin, have. listen. Yeah, all joking aside, you've heard points from Ray. You've heard points from me. 
it's now time for you to render your decision. Take us through a story. Take us through your process. Tell us, point by point, why you think either Ash Ketchum with all of his Pokemon or Ultron win this battle. First of all, I like that you said all joking aside about a battle between a cyborg and a <laughs> child who pulls <laughs> fictional animals out of his balls. So all joking aside, this was an amazing battle to watch, fellas. Well argued. And I got to tell you, I really got a master class in, in these two characters. Actually, these uh, five characters between Ash yeah. and, his, and his three Pokemon and Ultron. This was this was this was a much more epic battle than I than I thought it was going to be. I definitely went in with some preconceived notions and leaning certain ways, which no judge should, and I apologize for that. But uh, but that was just the way it was. The <laughs> James James tipped his hat already. <laughs> that, look, this Ultron is an in- incredibly dangerous, powerful foe who has seen so much battle in his many years just terrorizing pretty much every superhero team and individual that populates the, the Marvel Universe. So he, he's, he's a force to be reckoned with up, with, the, up there with the most powerful villains in Marvel. The Pokemon that James led with, I was like, this is abs- – he's throwing stuffed animals at a, at a bulldozer. <laughs> I, I was trying to be nice and say that maybe, maybe the static shock monkey and maybe – Maybe the, 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 the lighter dinosaur could do something to Ultron and, 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 and maybe singe him a little bit. But really, Ultron was still coming as a, as, a, as a force. But then James pulls out of his bag Space Jesus, basically. And, I mean, where did this it – almost, it almost seems ridiculous to me. The, the powers this thing has. This, and, it, and, it just, and it shows the way that these – Characters are developed in these, in and, you know, in these kind of cartoons and these these shows. There's always that one super powerful being that's that's the end all be all. And uh, Mewtwo, who I've never heard of before, I don't even know what it looks like, sounds absolutely horrifying. So I, you know, it's this this is really tough because I feel that Ultron went into round three, if not at ninety five percent power from the start, probably pretty close. And 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 he 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 found himself a very very worthy, terrifying opponent, and the, it's it's a it's a tough it's going to be a tough, brutal battle between these two juggernauts, if you will, as I pull from another character from Marvel. I I got to tell you, I I I I went into this. I was sure that it's Ultron. He's so terrifying and so powerful. And you know, while we weren't we're not looking at the MCU version. I've seen what he's done in the MCU, and I, I do remember him from the comic books. But I got to give the win to Mewtwo. I'm not even going to give it to Ash Ketchum. I'm going to give the win to Mewtwo because the powers that this thing has. And and you know what? And I'm going to take some points for, for Ray's ridiculous destiny argument that made no sense. <laughs> I actually have I have a Vang diagram up trying to explain, and it's going to take some time. I think it's going to be a a 300-level class in most universities, Ray's explanation of destiny as it relates to Ultron and Pokemon. But be that as it may, I got to give this one to the Pokemon, the the would-be Pokemon master, because Mewtwo just sounds like a force that's too much for almost anybody to handle. Ray Stacanus, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, this one, this one feels good. 
This one feels really good. I knew you'd come at me with Ultron, guns blazing, bringing the best version of Ultron. I was ready for a bunch of different things. I said, I got a way to counter this, way to counter that. You actually surprised me on quite a few points. Really, really great job. With that being said, hell to the yes, Ash Ketchum, Pokemon, to the millions upon millions of people who were hoping, hoping beyond hope, that Ash Ketchum would prevail in this battle. You're welcome. Ray Sicanus, how do you feel? Kevin Israel. <laughs> If I may talk to you for a moment. Please. That was beyond a shadow of a doubt. Beyond any consideration. Beyond any notion of reality. One of the most embarrassingly terrible decisions in the history of the Who Would Win show. Now, I know you're mad because I came on your show and I beheaded your beloved children's movie, Highlander. And I absolutely showed you the truth about a movie that you should have never liked in the first place. I would argue I slapped the taste into your mouth on that episode of Gutting the Sacred Cow. And I can understand how you could be angry at me for coming so hard and so real on your show that you would come and lay a duke on my back porch, much like you have done with the decision in this battle. Mewtwo is great. Mewtwo is wonderful. The destiny argument is maybe one of the greatest arguments ever used in the history again of the who would win show. I'm ashamed of you. I'm ashamed of Pokemon. I'm ashamed of Mewtwo. I'm ashamed of the whole operation. And I have nothing more to say about that. I think Ray's argument circuit is broken because I also agreed with him about Highlander. So I do think Ray's inside places have been uh, damaged for quite some time. Uh, not going to lie there. Ray, you know, I'm, I am actually quite surprised. I thought you were going to do something like, hey, Ultron could maybe hack the Pokeballs and just do something damage there. Or, Ray, you know, he would figure out a different way to attack or, you know, take over them. I have no idea. You can't tell me you're surprised that I brought Mewtwo into this battle, Ray's to Canis. I'm not surprised you brought Mewtwo into this battle. And I considered the hack the Pokeballs argument, but I kind of consider them mostly made of magic and therefore not really hackable. It didn't seem like that was a good argument when I was putting together my flawless presentation that I put together for today. I'm I'm not surprised you brought Mewtwo. I'm surprised you won with Mewtwo. What an outrage. Hashtag IMF. Hashtag James Chess Knows. Hashtag Kevin Israel is awesome. That's all I'm going to say about that. Kevin Israel, seriously, great job on today's matchup. You you brought the logic. I love how you were kind of leaning towards Ultron. But you used, you know, your wisdom of the ages, if you will, to kind of see the logic of what Mewtwo brought to the table. Uh, and this is part of the strategy of Pokemon. You got to figure out the right way to win. Now, with that being said, please tell our audience where they can find you online and where they can enjoy all things Kevin Israel. First of all, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me back. This was a lot of fun. I'm sorry that I had to side with James a second time. Ray, I thought this one was going to go your way, but unfortunately... Are you, are you sorry, though? Uh, are for you sorry, you, really? For, for public purposes, yes, I am very sorry. That said, you can find <laughs> me at kevinisrael.com for all my comedy schedule. Uh, like I said, I'm taking a couple months off, but I'll be back in the spring. And more importantly, you can find me with Gutting the Sacred Cow creator and host Kevin Goatee 
every week. Our podcast, we bring on a guest each week to argue their case for why they think a beloved or successful movie is overrated. It's a really fun, unique take on the movie review genre. We really flip it on its ear and do something fun and funny with it. It causes a lot of problems online, which we love. The angrier we make people, the more we know we're doing our job. So check out Gutting the Sacred Cow at guttingthesacredcow.com and on all social media platforms. And you can find our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts. Love it. All right. Ray Sicanis, excellent job once more. Uh, you've been bringing it this season. Really, really great job. It was a close one. With that being said, tell everyone where they can find you. I can't afford to lose this late in the season, Kevin Israel. This season has been very, very close, and there's only a couple of battles left. This is an absolute outrage. Kevin, when you go to bed tonight, your uh-huh. head's going to hit that pillow. And you're going uh-huh. to have the the lungs full of proper air and not this intoxicating mind fog that James just doused you in like a fart in an elevator going up 17 floors. And you're going to think to yourself, oh, no, I made a mistake. I screwed up. I owe Ray an apology. So after, after, after you have a chance to think about it, I do not accept your apology, but you should give it anyway. You can find me on Twitter at Almighty Ray. You sound bitter. Just putting that out there. All right. You can find me on Twitter. Like an Angostura. I'm not sure what that is. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gavs. Remember, join the official Hoodman Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram at Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcast. By the way, I can't say this enough. I love Guiding the Sacred Cow. It is an amazing show. I don't even call it a podcast. It's an amazing show. Everyone, the Legion of Audience, please go ahead, subscribe, listen, and enjoy Guiding the Sacred Cow. With that being said, on behalf of myself, Ray Sicanis, Zoit Media, Geek and Game Community, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win team, thank you once again for listening to another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Kevin Goatee. Hey, I'm Kevin Israel. We host Gutting the Sacred Cow, the best and most unique movie debate podcast out there. Why? Because we invite our guests to pick a film that they find overrated or hate and try to convince us to see their argument. They must pick a film that is a financial success, widely beloved, or critically acclaimed. That's right. Some of the films our guests have tried to eviscerate, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Pulp Fiction, Ghostbusters? You can find us on all podcast platforms like Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. And if you want to watch our smiling faces, we're also on YouTube. GuttingTheSacredCow.com is where you find all of our information. And we look forward to our guests infuriating you when they attack your favorite films. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.